This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Aaron, I had the most beautiful dream. We were all hanging out. We all had our roots done. We had fresh haircuts. (laughs) (laughs) And no one was wearing a mask. Look at my roots. They're so bad. I have so many gray hairs. I'm so upset. (laughs) And now, like, so even though Governor Dumbshit decided he's going to reopen everything... I'm not, I'm like going to wait like an extra two weeks to figure out if there's going to be a second wave or not before I even make an appointment. Right. Even though my hair girl works out of her house. And so like, really, I, there's not a lot of exposure there. I'm still not going to do it. I get it. There's not a single judgment here. It's all fine. I'm just, you know, I hate the quarantine. It sucks, but. I don't want everyone to be like, oh, everything's fine. And then we're all going to be sick again. And then guess what? We're going to have to do this all over again. Right. Um, I have to say, somebody posted a meme that was so true. I got actually very angry about it today that said, Louisiana is going to lift that quarantine and it's going to be 110 degrees outside with 100% humidity. You're all going to stay inside anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but then it's my thought. thought. Like, <laughs> I just want it to be my idea. <laughs> To stay inside. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's weird times we live in. Tell me something good. You got a new bed. It looks so nice. I redid my bedroom this weekend. Yes, that's something good. That is something good. I got a new bed, new covers, new sheets, new throw pillows, new everything. Look at you, fancy. I know. And I like put all the throw pillows on. I was like, I need more throw pillows. <laughs> you can never have enough. It's a Southern thing. That's it's fine. true. <laughs> Bonus points if there's some um, cute Southern saying stitched on it. No, not that basic. You know, you have an it's fall y'all pillow somewhere in that house. I really don't. I'm surprised. Sorry. You tell me something good. Um, I've been writing a lot and reading and doing the mm-hmm. things that make me happy. Yeah. I've been working a lot. Well, wow. In working. And doing things that get me paid. Well, you know, that's kind of the same thing as happiness, right? Money buys happiness is what I've been told. And I can't buy a class. Okay. Um, also, my sushi is on the way, and I'm so excited. I'm so jealous. I bought forty dollars worth of sushi. <laughs> and tonight, I get to watch food appear through your doorway instead of the other way around. Except I have to like get it myself. Nobody brings it to me. Well, there's that. But. We're about to cover like one of my favorite cases. It, well, not favorite because that makes it sound like it's good. It's not Something good. Something that interests bad. you inc- uh, incredibly. 
It does. Stockholm Syndrome is fascinating. Yes. Because while it makes sense psychologically, if I try to break it down myself, I would, you know, I'm one of those people also on the couch and be like, I would never do that. Right. Right. But the truth is, I totally would. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I don't know why, you know, like, it's complicated. Like, right now, we're all in love with COVID-19. All of us. We're all experiencing it right now. that's true. I don't think I love COVID-19. It'll come for you. I think I'd like it to fuck off. Oh, that's fair, too. It will come for me, probably. Hate and love are just two sides of the same coin. We've decided to (laughs) just open up the whole state. Um, I feel like... It's open on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. And, like, half my girls were at the beach. And I was like, girls, (laughs) no, no. I feel like the only appropriate response at this point is for you to follow the script that Fran sent us in that group text about Mm -hmm. um, calling the governor's office and asking for a tour. And when they tell you that it's closed because of a global pandemic, then uh, really make an ass of yourself asking why if the everything else is allowed to be open. I I wish I was that kind of person that could do that. Yeah, same. I'm not, unfortunately. I'd be like, oh my God, sorry, I called. Bye. Oh, hey, <laughs> did you see the email that I dropped in our chat today? Yeah. So I'll explain to our audience. I just didn't know if you'd seen it because there's a part B to it okay. now. So um, I got an email from a company that we work with uh, that I do a lot of business with at school um, who told us that they have a shipment that they're going to send to us and somebody has to be at the office to receive it or UPS won't leave it, but we're not allowed to stay up at the schools. And then the part B to their email said also UPS isn't giving us tracking numbers. So you just have to make sure somebody's there. At which point I flipped my shit. Cause do you know how much money I've paid this company this year? Um, I think I remember it was $17,000. It was, in fact. And for $17,000, they can get me a fucking tracking number. Mm-hmm. And I told them that in a little bit politer language. Not a lot more polite. I just didn't say fucking in it. No. <laughs> and wouldn't you, you know... It, I mean, the emphasis was there. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you know, Aaron, that at 5.13 p.m. I had a tracking number from FedEx instead of UPS? Oh, and they're going to call me the day before it comes so I can schedule a time for them to deliver? Isn't that interesting? Amazing. What a coincidence so fucking pissed i was so mad today i just groused all day long like i i just had a bad look on my face and i sat with my arms crossed and i watched uh superstore on hulu and was mad and that was just my default setting all day that makes sense so one other thing that i'm happy about tell me i got this can you see it I love that. It's very soothing. It's an essential oil. Diffuser? Diffuser, but it also lights up. And it makes me all, like, calm. It's a very soothing color. Like, I just kind of want to stare at it. It changes colors. Look at that. It changes colors. I'm so glad that we have an audio-only medium and we're telling everybody about the colors we're seeing. 
It's blue. It's purple now. <laughs> um, well, okay. real quick, but I just got a notification on my phone happy. that this is going around now. <laughs> so I just clicked the ha ha reaction on Facebook to the person who posted that. <laughs> nice. So what I loved is, you know, they announced they're going to reopen the state and everything can open. And it's like this whole thing didn't happen. But Dan Patrick, who is like the world's worst human, he's just horrible. Um, they let him announce that we don't have to wear masks anymore. Oh, good. And I'm like, can you please stop letting him talk? Every time he talks, something racist just falls out of his mouth. It's unnerving. <laughs> or Aegis, since he think, he's the one that thinks that the uh, senior citizens should fall on the sword of COVID-19 and all die so the economy can survive. Okay, to play devil's advocate, you and I would finally get social security. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> but I kind of like Nana's being around. Let's, yeah, let's not sacrifice Grandma for <laughs> the economy. And here, but the best thing is, I know it's going to come up in the upcoming election. I'm sure of that. I'm very excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a bad person. Um. This is going to be an interesting, interesting election year. But before we suddenly make this into a um, politics, politics podcast, politics podcast, um, I would like to welcome you all for the very first time today to lifetime sentence. I am (laughs) running for president. I'm voting for you. Yes. We've just exhausted (laughs) my list of voters, but. I'll take it. (laughs) One whole voter. So proud. All righty. Are you ready? No, but go ahead. This week I watched Girl in the Box. It is, like I said, what feels like 20 minutes ago. Maybe actually 20 minutes ago. (laughs) We're at 10 minutes and 35 seconds into recording. Oh, that's not so bad. No. It's one of, it's a case that really fascinates me um and don't get me wrong it is horrible and one of the most horrible cases of like kidnap and torture i've ever heard oh yeah i mean well i'll say ariel Ariel castro is definitely worse than this guy but not by a lot (laughs) okay so it stars addison timlin she plays Colleen. Now, question. Yes. Did you run into any pronunciations? No. I was just going to say Colleen okay. the whole time. So in the movie, at first, the kidnapper calls her Colleen, and I was like, fuck that. But then her dad calls her Colleen, too. So I don't know if that's actually her name. Okay. Or if Lifetime took a liberty, but I'm just going to call her Colleen, because if that's what she likes to be called, that's what she deserves. Well, there, she, um, there you go. She is from Derailed and Odd Thomas and Following. Okay. And then Zane Holtz, he plays Cameron Hooker. Um, He's from Katie Keene, Hunter Killer from Dust Till Dawn, and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Okay. 
I've read that book. I haven't seen the show, the movie yet. Oh, I love the movie. So good. Um, is Emma Watson in that? Yeah. Okay. Zelda Williams. She plays Janice hooker. She's from Jane, the Virgin dark web. And we're the world mine. Okay. I've heard of that. I've seen Jane, the Virgin. I love Jane, the Virgin. Can you insert some like fun music while I go run and grab my sushi? Dun, da, 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 and we're back. <laughs> um, we open with a car driving down an abandoned road. Cameron, who's dressed in too many 70s plaid patterns, gets out and starts yelling at Janice to get out and help him. They pull a body out of the back of the car and bury it in the woods. Just, you know, typical Tuesday. So we are already off to a great start. Cameron makes Janice keep watch while he buries the body. Casual. Um, When they get back in the car, it's morning time. And Cameron reassures Janice that everything is done now and totally fine. Yeah, well, yeah. He justifies what I'm assuming was a great overreaction, since it appears he killed someone at all, saying... He told her not to scream. Didn't you hear me tell me not to tell her not to scream? I told her not to scream. God, if you know, if people would just listen, I wouldn't have to kill them anymore. Mm-hmm. So they drive away, and we get the title card, "Girl in the Box," which I feel is a misnomer because, as it seems right now, "Girl" is in the ground. Fair. Northern California, May nineteen seventy-seven. Colleen is dropped off on the side of the road. I'm assuming she's been hitchhiking because I've heard this story before. Um, she walks while cars drive by. Um, nobody stops. She balances on the guardrails and does things I guess you do when you're hitchhiking. Um, but a side note. Now, I've not actually looked at pictures of Colleen. Um, but one day, whenever I was very very tired I thought out loud to myself that I have never seen just like a knockout hot hitchhiker and I wonder if it's because I'm too late and they all get picked up before I get there or if there's another reason and I just need your anecdota to tell me if you've ever seen just like a drop dead hot hitchhiker no okay sorry that was a pressing Um, question right now So Cameron and Janice pull up in a white car and offer her a ride. They make small talk. Um, Oh, and this is where I wrote, her name is Colleen, but the actor says Colleen, which I hate. And then I will correct myself later. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, they ask Colleen where she is headed. And she says to a birthday party to surprise a friend. They stop and get gas. And the man pulls a box out of the trunk and places it in the back seat. Very casual. Colleen has gone to the ladies' room and is freshening up when she sees birds flying in a weird direction outside, which is red flag number one. (laughs) She gets back in the car and sees the box but doesn't say anything. That's red flag number two for those of you following along. They drive a ways down the road, and Cameron mentions some kind of caves just off the highway that he wants to see. And that is like, I would have been like, no, bitch. I'm out. 
Mm-mm. I'm good. Thanks. No caves today. I'm good. Um, he assures Colleen they'll, she'll totally make it to her friends before dark. And Janice is like, yeah, totally. Um, she looks timid, but I am not fooled. Right. By Janice. Um, so they drive to the woods and go in search of these caves. Cameron says he'll catch up with them. He wants to grab his camera. Colleen and the woman walk a little ways and then Cameron grabs her, puts a knife to her neck and tells her to put her arms up. He takes her back to the car, handcuffs her, blindfolds her, gags her, puts her in the back seat, ties her legs together and then puts her head in the box. Hey, you don't have to do any of those things, sir. I mean, I told you earlier he overreacted, so it looks like a personality trait. And I just wrote, this is actual nightmare fuel. Thank you. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> Um, he casually calls Janice back to the car and they leave. They go sit by a dam and eat hamburgers for reasons. Oh, that old <laughs> damn hamburger date. Everyone's had one. When they, then when it's dark, they take Colleen to their house. He takes her into the basement where he, ha oh God, this is rough. He has her stand on top of a cooler he strips her naked and secures her with straps that are dangling from the ceiling. Then he kicks the cooler out from under her. So she's hanging by her wrist. No. Then he t calls Janice down and starts whipping Colleen. No, you don't have to do any of that, sir. Then once he's done, he's properly turned on and can have sex with his wife. Oh, well, good. You know, as long as the end result is he gets to fuck somebody. He straps Colleen to a surgical type bed and puts her head back in the box. The next morning, Cameron's getting ready for work, all casual, and convinces Janice that this is all really fine. It's no problem. It's fine. Uh, before heading off to work. Colleen is downstairs trying to get out of a box. And I guess they put her in a different box because before the commercial, she had her head in a box and now she's in a coffin box. Yeah, I don't like it. And this is where I find that everyone calls her Colleen. Um, and I said, maybe that's how she pronounces it. Sorry for being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, her dad gets a call from her, um, her landlord looking for her because rent's due. Dad asks her sister, Bonnie, who immediately knows something is wrong. Colleen's parents go to file a missing persons report, which I assume is going to go really, really well in this situation. As I suspected, the cops are like, sorry, bro, we're too busy twiddling our thumbs and she's an adult and can do whatever she wants. They're like, thanks, officer, and they leave. Um, Janice goes to Cameron's work to tell him that she's, drumroll, pregnant. No, okay. I'm not excited for him. Cameron's reaction is also not excitement. He says... Cool, I guess. Do you think it's a boy? Listen, I know you just found out, but did you did you figure things out already? Or like, can I just go back to work? <laughs> um, Janice thinks now that she's pregnant, they definitely maybe should let Colleen go because it's been six months. Holy shit. 
I mean, but I know Cameron's the timeline like, yeah. of this, but... Yeah. He's like, no way. Like, we have an agreement. We can't let her go now. What if she goes to the police before you have the baby? You'll totally go to jail. And then we flash forward to 231 days since the abduction. That's too many days. Janice is on crutches for reasons. Um, Cameron tells the neighbor she has surgery for her arthritis. I was like, okay. The neighbor, who I suppose is also their landlord, says he needs to come service the furnace that's in the basement, which is unfortunately where Colleen lives. In a box. Uh, and also, like, please pay me the rent. Uh, so Cameron has a new grand idea to have Colleen sign a contract agreeing to become their slave. No. Mm, sir, you need to put your paperwork away. Um, it's totally of her own free will, not at all manipulated by the fact that they've been holding her hostage and torturing her for almost a year. Soup's legal. Um... He has Colleen read an article about a quote-unquote company who practices in slave trade, including the hunting down and punishment of slaves that escape. Sir, do you just mean colonial America? Mm. He tells Colleen that he works for the company and explains all the things they'll do to catch a runaway slave, including murdering the slave's entire family. Then he goes through her stuff and pulls out pictures of her family and threatens them if she messes with the quote-unquote company. Then he tells her some bullshit nonsense about how he saved Janice, who I guess just had surgery, from a brutal former master who was going to have her killed, but he totally bought her and then married her. This is super true and not at all made up. Why do you look at me like that? Um, It just... I just want to know why Disney hasn't turned that into an animated feature. Because that's mm. a true love story right there. I'd watch it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that the company found out that Cameron has Colleen. And so now he has to register her with the Ministry of Magic. This is the worst lie I've ever heard. Like, I got <laughs> caught doing something illegal, so now I have to make it legal with my company by making you sign this piece of paper. Good, good. We're good. Um, so, if she doesn't sign this paper, the company will come take her away. And he can't guarantee what will happen to her, but it'll probably be bad. So, she signs the paper. Now she gets to wear a robe and a collar. Also, Cameron cut her hair. What an asshole. Um, he tells her that there's no more Colleen, and now she'll just be called K. Not the name K, the letter. Oh. G okay, great. That's another letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I added one, sorry. Okay. She has to call Cameron Master or Sir and Janice Ma'am. She's only allowed to speak when spoken to, and she has to do everything they tell her to do. Also, whenever he shouts attention, she has to run to a part of the house, take her clothes off, and stand with her head down and arms up toward the ceiling. So he yells attention to test it all out, and 
he like goes over to her. She's like all naked. And he starts running his hands all over her body. Ugh. Janice runs out and is like, what in the fuck is going on? But Cameron's just like, what? I'm training the slave. Like you do. And, and Janice just says, make her get dressed. Because behind every slave owner is his wife who really calls the shots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Later, Colleen is cleaning and finds a Bible. Janice snatches it out of her hands because it's her Bible. Nobody she touches my sacred Bible. In a long time. <laughs> she's she's just still in Genesis where the whole world's a hot mess. Oh, well, we'll get to it. Okay. So Colleen apologizes and asks Janice if she's a Christian. Janice says it's none of her business and then tells her, quote, you wormed your way into this house, but you don't have any value to us. You're just here for the pain. What a okay. bitch. Mm. Later, Cameron lets Colleen, Colleen out of the box to show her the new baby that was born. Colleen holds her and cradles her. Her name is Amber. And then Cameron puts Colleen back into the box under the bed. It's now 683 days since the abduction and the hookers have a new house. Um, let me reiterate. That's too many days. Mm. I have a sad story for you. So Cameron is watching cartoons on TV like every good slave owner does well amber i'm sorry janice is rocking the baby to sleep in the next room this dumb fuck's just sitting on the tv watching sitting on the couch watching cartoons i was like i'm really impressed if he's sitting on the tv like crisscross (laughs) applesauce bent down staring underneath him and colleen is making dinner but she forgot to set a fork out for janice So he calls her to attention and they go through this whole rigmarole about calling the company to take her away because she's lazy and Cameron whips her again. Hooray. Um, Meanwhile, Janice picks up her fork off the floor and then runs into her bedroom to pray. Um, can we change the channel yet? No, I don't like this movie. Uh, Um, so Cameron takes Colleen on a field trip to pick up some fallen lumber to sell he tells her not to call him master in front of the other people there because they're all slave owners too and if they think she's a slave they might want her you know I hate it when people are jealous of no I can't even continue this Keep going. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> um, he and Colleen start talking, and she asks if maybe she could go home someday. Cameron says he really doesn't think the company would ever let someone go home. But Colleen is like, but you can trust me. And so he tells her she can write a letter home. Then he nearly chops off his own foot with an axe like an idiot. Like, how even did that happen? And Colleen totally thinks about running away down the trail, but she doesn't and helps him instead. 
should have just picked up that axe and like hacked him into tiny pieces. Right. Um, Janice tries to get on, get it on with Cameron later, but he's not into it. So she gets all whiny and jealous of Colleen because, on oh, she's just coming between us. Why did we get this slave to begin with? Um, but Cameron reassures Janice that Colleen is his slave, but she's Janice's slave too, and they can totally share her. Ugh. So Janice agrees and he gets Colleen out of the box. They start having some weird threesome, but then Janice totally flips out and starts calling him a bastard. Um, and blaming him for or saying that he's cheating on her. Sure. Okay. You know, at this point she tells <laughs> She tells Cameron to quote Put that bitch in her box and never touch her again. Put that thing back where it came from or so help me. (laughs) 1,395 days since the abduction. And Cameron is dead and Colleen is living in a mansion. No. Um, Cameron is singing. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Colleen is singing to herself in the box. And possibly going a bit crazy, like you would, you know. Yeah, no joke. And we get an edit of the week. Wow. Two in a row. Lifetime does, I know, they do a solid impression of a horror film in which she, like, turns all around and stares at odd angles at the camera with, like, huge dark circles under her eyes. And then she imagines herself at confession, where the priest tells her suffering is inevitable, she imagines she can stand up in the box and walk out to sit on a church pew to talk to her sister. Colleen tells her that she has to figure out why God wants her there. But then her sister's face turns into Janice's face and she says, quote, you're only here to take the pain. Like she said earlier. Colleen wakes up from her nightmare to find herself still in a different nightmare, which I've had happen to me. It's not cool. Um, There's water leaking into the box and she's drowning. Then she wakes up again and starts kicking the box and kicks the door out of it. Whoa. (laughs) That was really funny. (laughs) I wasn't ready for it to be right now. Okay. It's not. I know. Um, Cameron, Janice, and Amber come home. Cameron notices that the box is open and that Colleen is gone. He finds her sitting in the shower, reading the Bible and like drinking out of the faucet. Poor thing. As he's putting the box back together, he asks her if she found any answers and they talk a little theology, which is something you should probably never do with your captor. Right. Um, so Cameron goes through and circles all the verses that start with, Quote, slaves. Oh, good. Great. Janice feeds her and then does the dishes while Cameron whips Colleen in the other room for getting out of the box. Mm, No. No, sir. Sit down. Then he leaves for work and Janice lets Colleen out of the box and gives her a hat to wear so they can read the Bible together because, quote, Cameron says a woman's head should be covered in reference to God in reverence to God. And can we stop taking theological advice from complete madmen? And I mean that as a society, 
as a whole. Can we <laughs> stop doing that? Right. Oh my God. Um. Anyway, so they read the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar and miss the point so hard because that's not what it means. No. <laughs> Cameron says the pair of them have to get along better and Janice tells Colleen not to call her Colleen not to call her ma'am anymore to call her Jan. And that they have to they have to learn to get along like um, Sarah and Hagar did. And that I mean I know that story pretty well. That's not what it means. No. No. He shouldn't. It's about. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Just take my word for it. That's not what it means. <laughs> 2,135 days since the abduction. Colleen makes Cameron dinner and he tells her to put Amber to sleep, take a shower, and wait in the bedroom. I guess they're at the quote-unquote normal sex part of the relationship. He tells her maybe someday she can be a slave wife and they can have a baby together. And Just what like, I've always mm. wanted. She's like, mm, maybe not, because I feel like you don't trust me and I miss my family. Um, she asks when he got into BDSM and he says he was five? No, sir. No. No. Uh, Colleen asks what he would do if someone was doing this to his daughter. And he says he would kill them. And Colleen's like, cool. How do you think my dad feels? And Cameron gets mad and puts her back in the box. Um, one day Janice deigns to talk back to Cameron. So he whips her too, naturally. And later Colleen goes to comfort her. And it looks like they're forming a bit of a bond. Um, 2,310 days since the abduction, Cameron finds flowers in the bedroom. The card reads, quote, Hagar, I love you, Sarah. Okay. Hmm. So Cameron tells Colleen that the company says she can visit home and that it wasn't easy, but he convinced them because he's a hero. And first, she has to pass an obedience test, which involves playing Russian roulette with a shotgun. That's not okay. Yeah. She does it, thereby passing the obedience test. So it's road trip time to go see her parents. <coughs> Excuse me. He tells her how much all the quote-unquote extra security for the trip cost him. And so she's super thankful for all this. She can go fuck himself. Um, he warns Colleen not to screw it up and they go visit the fam. Cameron introduces himself as Mike and then leaves. They have a very nice dinner together. Um, Colleen excuses herself to use the restroom and her sister starts in like, uh, are we just going to let this happen? <laughs> and I like her sister. Right. <laughs> The dad's like, let's not push our luck, okay? Like, we're glad she's here. Let's just chill. Um, she stays up late looking at pictures with her sister and all of all the things that she missed while she's been gone. And her sister Bonnie starts to push her on where she's been, etc. Colleen just says she can't talk about it and goes to bed. The next morning they're having breakfast and her sister talks, starts in again. And um, 
Colleen shuts her down. Bonnie keeps pushing, though, and Colleen is about to spill her guts when Cameron shows up to take her home. Great. Perfect. I love it. It's my favorite thing. He also, he also discloses that they're going to get married. Uh, no. Her parents are, like, all on board with this, and her sister is like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, what is happening? <laughs> Cameron smoothly explains everything away, and seriously, if her parents were a little bit suspicious, I couldn't tell. It was bizarre. Later, they're in bed together, reading her palm and talking about righteousness and hell. Janice overhears their conversation about starting a family, and I was like, I'm so confused. Are they having an affair of some sort now? That's what it sounds like. It's weird. The next day, Janice leaves them and Colleen begs her to stay. Jan says maybe she's going to go to the police and tell them everything. She and Cameron have a big fight in the driveway and she leaves. And I'm just really concerned about Jan's poor father who picked her up and must be like so confused about the fight they're having. <laughs> um, Colleen tries to comfort Cameron, but he starts being an asshole again. He drag he strips her naked and drags her out in the pouring down rain and makes her get into like this hole under the shed. Water starts to leak in from the rain, and there's a montage of Cameron driving and Janice in church crying. Um and the underground part of the shed continuing to fill with water. Finally, the top of the hole opens up and it's Janice! There to save her. Um, Janice tells her she needs to get the fuck out. And Colleen is like, no, he's just angry right now. It'll be fine. So Janice is like, quick, let me tell you a story, girl. Let me tell you about this murder that happened like 100 years ago when this movie started. Um, And me as the viewer, as much as I'm enjoying this trip down memory lane, can we get a move on it? Right. We've got to go. Um, they show Cameron pull into the driveway like she's like they're still there, but um, he picks up a shovel and opens the shed, and they're gone, which good for them. Thank God. Janice drops Colleen off at the bus station. Colleen asks Janice if she will be okay, and Janice says she doesn't know. She offers to stay, and Janice tells her to go home. And finally tells her that they're not in the company, which is a huge difference between that and the quote, the company is not a thing. Right. But I'll, I'll, I'll take it at this time. Colleen gets on the bus and goes home while Janice watches and saddest music plays. Cameron sits in his bedroom and cries because he's all alone now. Um, they drive past the place where Colleen was picked up and the birds are still flying all crazy. Quote, Cameron Hooker was sentenced to 104 years in prison. Janice Hooker received immunity from prosecution in return for testifying against her husband. Janice confessed to the murder of Marlitz, um, but the body was never found. Colleen's abduction, Colleen's abduction lasted 2,640 days. That's way too many days. Yeah. The end. Well, that was awful. Thank you. You're so nice. Well, I mean, you did a fine job. Thank you. The fact that this, the fact that this movie exists because it's a true thing is what's awful. That is true. Okay. 
I'll put my colored pencils away and tell you about something awful. I know you woke up this morning and you were like, I really wish Paul would just put his fucking colored pencils away and tell me about something awful. Yeah, it was. I know. Okay. So at the top, uh, my sources are Wikipedia, of course, the kidnapping of Colleen Stan. Um, I read an article from The Sun and an article from The Independent, both in the UK. Um, and then a website called scarestreet.com. There was an article called Nightmare Box. And this sounds like the website that 14-year-old Paul would have gone to every night before bed. Yep. Um, and then I wanted to do some research on hitchhiking and like... Because do you remember when uh, Wine and Crime did a Hitchhiking Crimes episode and they looked into all the stats about hitchhiking. So I wanted to look into stats of my own um, and that took me off on my own tangent. uh, And I wound up at Wanderly Magazine um, to an article called Hitchhiking Safety Revisited. Okay. So in this day and age, hitchhiking is almost non-existent. It seems like everyone knows that getting into cars with complete strangers is a bad idea. Unless, of course, it's your Uber. You know, Jesus is arriving in a Honda Accord. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, And there are safer ways to get around. But in the 1970s, hitchhiking was a common practice. Sometimes it was someone's only mode of transportation. Um, And so before we get started with the case, like I said, I want to talk about some hitchhiking facts. Um, and some of them were brought to my attention during that wine and crime episode. And so I wanted to follow up on that. And so according to Wanderly magazine, and this is like their quotes and it just made me laugh. And this is why I didn't go anywhere else for stats, because according to their stats, your likelihood of being killed or raped while hitchhiking in the United States is 0.0000089%. Okay. There have been 500 reported murders from hitchhiking since 1979. There have been a hundred. That's it? That's what their data says. And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, There have been 175 reported instances of rape since 1979 from hitchhiking. Um, This number I really do question because survivors of rape are often discouraged from speaking up or are made to feel as if their experience will be ignored because it often is. And so um, that number is hard to track. The hitchhiking scenario to begin with just kind of smacks of the, oh, she was asking for it nonsense. Right. What was she wearing? She should have been out there to begin with. Right. Exactly. And so um, that 175 reported cases makes me wonder how many went unreported because of all of those factors. Um, And um, Wanderly doesn't mention, (laughs) Wanderly doesn't mention that. It's just my own observation. Um, And then they said that you have a 0.94% chance of dying from accidentally falling, which is a much greater chance of death. Now, keep in mind, all of these are statistics from this Wanderly magazine, which I've never heard before, heard of before. But this particular article is encouraging people to bring back this, quote, old as man method of transportation. No. Um, So then they broke down how they got their statistics. And this is why I went on this tangent where I could not find any more stats because y'all. 
what the hell are so they doing excited. over at Wanderly Magazine? So they said that from 1979 to 2009, there were 675 reported victims of sexual assault and murder along highways, along interstate highways. So that was a combined number. And then they found mm-hmm. that the FBI reports that, quote, over 500 of those were murders, which is not a specific number, but that puts the number of sexual assaults that didn't end in the loss of life at somewhere around 175. And then they said that interstate travel accommodates for 24% of the nation's road travel. And then they said, so if we multiply that out and assume these types of crimes take equal place along both the interstates and proportionally all other roads, we get 2,700 estimated victims of crimes of this nature. And I'm like, well, so somebody really just had no idea how statistics works now. And so, Not even a little bit. So then what they did was they found the average population of the United States for that time period and said that 2,700 victims out of the 3 million, 303 million is how they figured that it was a point oh 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 eight nine chance. I mean, that's some like COVID-19 type statistics. <laughs> right which is it makes absolutely no sense that's not how you calculate these statistics because to become an actual percentage or statistic first of all you have to like to come to it you have to find the nationwide instances of hitchhiking and then factor in the number of cars that passed hitchhikers up versus the number of cars that stopped and you have to take into account the amount of cars that people felt unsafe getting into And then you should probably separate out the instances of male hitchhikers because violent sexual crimes, rape, and assault are statistically more likely to happen to women than men. And since it is impossible to collect data of this, like in any kind of scientific way from this scenario, especially considering hitchhikers aren't counting the amount of cars that pass them when they walk down an interstate. Like, so already our numbers are skewed. The data is nearly impossible to collect, but you do you, Wanderly. I am looking forward to your class next semester. Right. Hitchhiking statistics. (laughs) Um, And then they justified everything they said with these outdated studies that try to convince you that your chances of getting raped and or murdered while hitchhiking are less than 1%. And they conclude with the following paragraphs that were just so good, I had to drop them. Quote, at worst, hitchhiking is no more dangerous than any other activity in the country. Despite closed-minded, government-produced documentaries and internet trolls, the data just isn't there to prove the tales of horror. On the other hand, it's a free means of transportation, and it's a great way to meet others, open up your horizons, both literally and with regards to communication skills. You might find a shortcut or two, or you might stand around in the rain for an hour, but either way, it's an adventure. As with any activity, use your brain. Hitchhike during the day, especially in the morning. If you're a woman, try and take lifts from other women. You're under no obligation to accept a ride from someone you don't feel comfortable with. Be aware that crime rates in the South are generally higher than other regions, but don't forfeit forfeit an entire experience simply out of fear. I don't know, Erin, but that sounds awfully victim blamey to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Yes, it does. 
And then, like, like especially when we consider the case that we're about to cover, because we have lots of first-person testimony from Colleen Stan about her abduction. And, like, are they going to sit and tell her, well, if you felt uncomfortable, why'd you get in the car? Because here's the, the fact is she didn't feel uncomfortable when these people pulled up. Right. Because he had a woman with him. Right. Which they say right there. I just pointed at my screen like everyone can see me pointing to their quote. (laughs) Okay. So there are reasons why we don't hitchhike anymore. And Colleen Stan's story is one of them. Um, Well, I just think there are better ways to get around. We have much better transportation systems now. And listen, like, if you want to do it as an experience, like, whatever. I mean, people still do it. Like, and I don't think it's inherently as dangerous as these stories make it seem. But also, like, just use your head. I, I don't know. If I had a choice between hitchhiking and uh, calling an Uber or hitchhiking and calling a friend or a cab or whatever, I'm never going to choose hitchhiking. Right. Well, and I think it's important to be said that in the 70s, there were almost half as many cars on the roads as there are today. You know, like in the 60s and 70s, more families were one-car households. And now most families of three or more people are multiple-car households. Yep. Um, So... Um, On May 19th, 1977, Colleen Stan set out to hitchhike from her home in Eugene, Oregon, to a friend's home in Northern California. She said in later interviews that she believed herself to be an experienced hitchhiker, and she'd allowed two rides to pass her by before a blue van pulled up. So, again, like I was saying earlier, you know, like, they, it is not unheard of for people to tell a car like no thanks i'm good you can keep going when people feel uncomfortable and that's what she'd done so the driver of this particular car was 23 year old cameron hooker um he was with his wife janice and their baby daughter was in the back seat colleen said that she felt interesting Uh uh-huh i was surprised that the movie didn't have that um colleen said that she felt confident accepting the ride from them though her instincts began telling her something was wrong when they stopped at a gas station. And then in all caps, I wrote, hmm, Wonderly, you want to try that again? Yeah. Like, also, if you get a spidey sense like that, listen to it. Always. Yeah. Um, she went to use the restroom, and she later said that while she was out of the car, Quote, a voice told me to run and jump out a window and never look back. But she didn't. She returned to the van with Cameron and Janice. Once they reached an isolated area, Cameron Hooker pulled a knife on Colleen and put a wooden head box on her. The box was homemade and weighed almost 20 pounds. Can you even imagine? No. Hey, I'm claustrophobic. I would just rather die. Um, once she was restrained, the couple took her to their home in Red Bluff, California. So let's go back for a second and talk about Janice and Cameron. So Cameron Hooker, a lumber worker, had been engaging in violent fantasies of sexual bondage with his wife, Janice. 
to mitigate this abuse because it was one-sided. It was abuse. Janice was not interested, according to her testimony. Um, to mitigate this abuse, he and Janice struck a deal. He could capture a young girl to be a sex slave in Janice's place, but he could not have penetrative sex with her. That is a terrible deal. Yeah. Like, if we're on deal or no deal, Howie, I'm taking no deal. We're walking. Look, I just... There's got to be a better way to find a consenting adult instead of having to capture a non-consenting adult. Now that we're in 2020, I'd like to introduce everybody to FetLife. Yes. <laughs> so... I was, Learn it, live it, love it. <laughs> I, um, I've um i been playing a lot of PlayStation lately, and a guy that I played with a long time ago, we don't even remember the first time we played together, but we were on each other's friends list, so we randomly played together. And so we were playing, and he was like, man, I don't even remember where we met. And his wife was like, maybe we met him on Life," And I got real awkward because of the person that I am. Like, you know me. And I was like, oh, no. I mean, y'all do, y'all do you. Like, I, not a single judgment there, but I'm not there. Like, I, I was like, there's no way I can say this without sounding like I'm judging them, but I'm really not. I'm just, <laughs> I just got really uncomfortable and couldn't like talk my way out of it without digging my hole deeper and deeper and deeper. So look, don't let anybody yuck your yum, whether you're super vanilla or not. Don't ever let anybody tell you that's wrong. Right. Exactly. Just don't break the law. Right. There are plenty of people out there that will consent to those things. Um, so sorry, it got so sidetracked by fit life that I can't even find my place in my notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Okay, so the girl that they had in her, um, in Janice's place. The first woman to fall victim to this compromise was Marie Elizabeth Sponhake. S-P-A-N-N-H-A-K-E. Spanakey. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, she was nicknamed Marlies. Um, she was last seen in Chico, California on January 31st, 1976. She was just 19 years old when she was spotted by Cameron and Janice Hooker walking along Mangrove Avenue. Mm. Her body had never been found, but Janice told police years later that they offered the girl a ride and she accepted. They drove to her destination and as she tried to get out, Cameron grabbed her by the wrist and yanked her back into the car. They took her to their home and strung her up from the rafters in their basement. Cameron tortured her, shot her in the ab abdomen with a pellet gun, and then strangled her to death. She was their captive for only a day, but that must have been an excruciating last day alive. No shit. Janice said that they buried her body near Lassen Park in their hometown, but authorities have never been able to locate the remains. This occurred just over a year before they abducted Colleen Stan, but it was already clear that Cameron was a dangerous and depraved man. During the first night of her ca captivity... Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm just like, is this why I'm single? Because if my husband brought up that idea, I'd be like, fuck no. Right? I'm 
I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and I'm not Dr. Phil. Um, so I don't know this to be true the way he says everything like it's fact. But I feel like there are fewer people who are like Cameron than there than the world would have you believe than lifetime would have you believe at least. I hope so. I don't know. You are lucky. Like you, you are a magnet for this kind of fucked up. So I am, (laughs) I am. Um, That's why I, that's why I swore off dating. You should just get you a puppy. It's like that old-timey book, old-timey, as in from my teenage years. <laughs> Probably not even from your teenage years. I kiss Dating Goodbye. Oh, I know Only that one. This time it's not about slut-shaming, purity culture, bullshit. It's about men are horrible. Yes. Not <laughs> Listen, you never have to qualify that statement. I just agree. I'm a man-hater, too. <laughs> Don't eat my shoes, Winston. Thank you. During the first night of alone. During the first night of her captivity, Colleen said that Cameron tied her to the rafters by her hands, leaving her suspended there. He beat her, and then he and Janice had sex underneath her while she hung there. Like it's not mistletoe, sir. That is so gross. And again, like, why is she into this? I have no idea why she's into it. That's ridiculous. It's gross. Like, I get that she wants to, like, please her husband or whatever, but there are limits. Right? There are limits. Um, afterwards, he locked Colleen in a box that was about the same dimensions as a coffin And she was kept there for just under a year, 23 hours a day. He would only take her out to torture her. No. During this time, Stan recalled that part of her view from the box was a photograph of Marlies, their first victim. That's fucked up. Uh Uh-huh. That is extremely fucked up. In January 1978, Cameron Hooker forced Colleen to sign a document that said she was his slave. She further testified that Cameron had been leading her to believe he was a member of a powerful organization called The Company. If she tried to escape, the organization would hunt her down and harm her family. He also began referring to her as Kay and made her call him Master. All this not all this imagination this guy has and all he could come up with is the company. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Usually I say liars put too much like facts in their lies, but this guy was like, uh, the the company LLC. We it's like, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> um she couldn't speak to him or anyone else without permission. He fantasized that she was like the female character from a French erotic novel that was published in 1954 called Story of O. I've never heard of this book, but if it's like this story, I don't want to hear of this book. It's probably not. Um, (laughs) He soon began raping her orally and violating her with objects. Um, And he decided that that was like the loophole in the agreement that he had with Janice to not have penetrative sex. 
game. Um, so the Hooker family moves into a mobile home in Red Bluff during this period and took Colleen with them. They confined her in a wooden box underneath their waterbed. Janice actually gave birth to their second daughter on the bed while Colleen was underneath it. Yeah, that's what they showed for the, when the baby was born. Colleen was terrified of the company and Cameron reinforced this fear with her daily. She would comply with his orders to avoid his punishments and he would eventually allow her to leave the house to jog or work in the yard. She was also responsible for caring for their children and was enlisted to help Cameron build an underground dungeon where he could keep more slaves. Okay. (laughs) She was still imprisoned by her fear of the company, however, so even when she had access to an open door or a phone, she did not seek help. That is what is so wild to me, Uh is how do you get to that point? Right. Which, not victim blaming, because it's not her fault. Like, clearly, it was, like, psychological damage, but, like, how... It fascinates me. It fascinates me. In 1981, she was allowed to visit her family twice. The first time she was alone, and the second time she was with uh, Cameron posing as her boyfriend. She didn't reveal her situation to them out of fear, um, though they thought that she had become involved in a cult because of her handmade clothing, her lack of money, and her lack of contact. However, they were worried that pressuring her would push her away completely, and so they didn't try to get them get her to open up to them. Um, they actually took a photo of her and Cameron smiling together, which was shown in the trial that, um, because she was like, yeah, this is my boyfriend. And so they were like, well, let's get a picture of y'all together. So we'll always remember that you came to visit with your boyfriend because they're trying everything to not lose their daughter because they think she's in like a Manson family type situation. I mean, there was a lot of that going around at that time. Right. Um, According to Colleen's testimony, Cameron began to worry that he'd given her too much freedom after the second visit. So he took her home and locked her back in the box beneath the waterbed. And she stayed in the box for three more years. That's horrible. She would only take out, he'd only take her out to feed, rape, and torture her after his children were in bed. My God. Her bodily functions were dealt with using a bedpan. And she had to position it, like, she had to position it underneath herself using her feet. I'm horrified. She wasn't allowed to make any noise and had to lie still in the dark with little air. Summers, she said, were especially harsh because the temperature in her box could get easily above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Nope, that's when I start screaming and you just have to kill me. Yep. Um, Cameron reintroduced her to the neighbors and his children in 1983 and even allowed her to get a job at a hotel as a maid. Sometime after this, he started saying that he wanted to take Colleen as a second wife. This was the turning point for Janice, who appears to have been entirely complicit in Colleen's captivity before this point. 
that's according to the statements. I don't know that she was complicit so much as she was like, I wonder how much abuse was befalling her too. And she was just as trapped, you know? Yeah. Um, in 1984, she went to Colleen and told her that Cameron wasn't a part of the company, though she maintained that the organization did exist. So that was another thing the movie got right. So bizarre. She helped Colleen escape and go to a bus station where, bizarrely, I had written in my notes. <laughs> like, I just think it's funny that you're like, that's so bizarre. And I was like, hey, look. Oh. <laughs> Um, where she phoned Cameron to tell him that she was leaving him. According to her testimony, his response was to burst into tears. So then she caught a bus home. What a little bitch. Right? (laughs) Despite having escaped from this ordeal, Colleen never reported her kidnapping or abuse to the police. Instead, she continued to contact Cameron Hooker regularly. At the trial, she explained that Janice had asked her not to tell anyone in order to give Cameron a chance to, quote, reform. What? Uh Uh-huh. So it actually wasn't Colleen who reported the kidnap. It was Janice. So three months after Colleen returned home, Janice's conscience caught up with her. She reported her husband to the police. Initially, she told them about the kidnapping, torture, and murder of Maria Elizabeth Sponacki. I wasn't prepared to say that again and didn't take a running start <laughs> like I meant to. <laughs> however, there was no conclusive evidence supporting this and no murder charges were brought. He was, however, arrested for what he'd done to Colleen. Janice made a plea deal to testify against her husband in exchange for full immunity. Her testimony was used to corroborate that of Colleen Stans. At the end of it all, Cameron Hooker was convicted of sexual assault, kidnapping, and using a knife while committing these crimes. He was sentenced to consecutive terms for this, resulting in a period of 104 years in prison. He was originally eligible for parole. He Uh, He was originally ineligible for parole until 2023, but his hearing was moved up seven years by California's elderly elderly parole program. So his first request for parole was denied in 2015, and he is not eligible again until 2022. Um, Which seems like it's a million years away if I have to stay in this house anymore, but it's not. It's not, though. In an interview... That is wild. Yeah. In an interview with People Magazine in 2016, Colleen said that she survived her ordeal by compartmentalizing her trauma. Quote, I learned I could go anywhere in my mind. You just remove yourself from the situation going on and you go somewhere else. You go somewhere pleasant, around people you love, whatever makes you happy. Wow. Yeah. God, she's not that optimistic of a person. (laughs) After the trial, she studied for an accounting degree and she is married and she's raising her grandson. Who's a, who would be about four years old at the time of the writing of this article. I got that from, um, the case garnered massive media attention and has sparked both fiction and nonfiction portrayals. 
Yep. Um, a book called Perfect Victim, The True Story of the Girl in the Box um, was released in 1989. And then a more updated version of her story can be found in uh, a book by Jim Green called Colleen Stand, The Simple Gifts of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, the main pl- plot of the mockumentary horror film, The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which came out in 2007, is yeah based on her case. Interesting. And, of course, it's inspired multiple episodes of TV shows, including Criminal Minds, Ghost Whisperer, and everyone's favorite, SVU. Mm -hmm. Did you listen to the episode of And That's Why We Drink, where um, Lisa Lampanelli calls it a special rape show? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I did. (laughs) Um. A TV movie called Girl in the Box premiered in the life on the Lifetime Network in September of 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Though the film is a fictional account, it was followed by a two-hour documentary called Colleen Stan, Girl in the Box. Ooh, I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, I was wondering if it had popped up, but... And I'm going to go searching for it, though. That's the information I have on Colleen Stan, the Girl in the Box. Like, what a freaking warrior. I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I could. I absolutely could not. Anytime I hear these survival stories, I'm like, shit, these people are so much stronger than me. First of all, my mouth would get me killed. In any situation, my mouth is going <laughs> to get me killed. Me too. But second- Also, like, um, you know, just going back to the hitchhiking thing, wasn't there a girl... There was hitchhiking, and then the guy picked her up, and he cut her arm off. Yeah, it's an episode of I Survived. And then put her in, like, a, a drainage ditch or something? No, he uh, threw her in the van. She wound up getting out of the van, and, like, as I recall, she, like, fell down a, an incline and wound up near a highway. And uh, a couple had just gotten married. They were driving to their honeymoon, and the husband pulled over and found her and drove her to safety. But yeah, it was one of the most badass episodes of I Survived. Yeah. Because this guy like picks her up and then comes out of fucking nowhere with an axe. With like, an for axe. no reason and just chops her arm off. And in fact, the way she talks about it, and I feel like this was a My Favorite Murder, um, that he, he recoils his arm and she saw her arm still holding on to his. Like that's how she realized her arm was severed. I just ate fish. <laughs> You're the one who brought this case up. Don't blame that on me. Oh my goodness. I do remember that detail though. Yeah. That's crazy. My goodness. Well, it's a survivor story. You like those, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. This episode comes out. And then the following on Wednesday, and then the following Sunday will be your Patreon. I'm just trying to see where we are on the timeline because I've already written my notes for my next Patreon episode, and Ooh. I'm so excited to tell you about some more badass women of organized crime. And I don't think you will ever Excellent. see this one coming ever. I'm so excited. All right. You know how I like badass women. I do. All right, so what are we going to watch next? 
what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. Um, I say the Britney Spears drama. Is it out Do yet? Do you want to watch the, <laughs> the Lifetime one? Yeah, when, when that came out several years ago, huh? Yeah. For some reason, I thought they'd announced they announced a new couple of uh, slice of life kind of documentary style movies or biography style mm-hmm. movies. I mean, and for some reason, I had to lump Britney Spears into that. But I remember that Britney Spears was a while ago. You know, I'm always down for some trash. I love me some Britney. Let's, but... let's do it. Let's do Britney Spears. Okay. Why not? That'll be fun. Yes. Um, be prepared for just a whole episode of me singing you my favorite Britney Spears songs. I'm here for it. Or just toxic on a repeat. Because if I'm being honest, that's my jam. I'm here for that too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, before we close everything out, I just want to thank you guys for sticking with us and listening to us and hang out with us through quarantine. Yeah. Um, and don't forget to like and to share and subscribe. All those things help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You want to tell people uh, where to find you... us? Or you want me to? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so we're on Instagram. Instagram? <laughs> we're on Instagram. It's where you go to find all the coolest grannies. Right now, I'm learning how to knit, and Erin, in fact, is halfway through a quilt, thanks to Nana Janie for teaching us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're also on Instagram, at Lifetime Sentence, at, on Twitter, at Life Sentence Pod. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. You can find our show notes, all that good stuff, at lifetimesentence.com. And as always, you can email us at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to hear more of us just talking, <laughs> um, please go subscribe to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lifetimesentence. Yeah. And um, most importantly, chief of everything that we've told you tonight, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.